Well, look who's back, your favorite group of troublemakers, asking us all the difficult questions about creativity, art, and design, and hopefully we heard some feelings along the way. This is the Woodworking is Bullshit podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Jasper of Copper Pig Woodworking, and I'm joined by your favorite co-host, Thirst Traps, Mary Sai, professional AI designer by day and Kodamari furniture by night, and Eric Curtis, professional furniture maker very official as usual we like to start every show with a question so eric i think you have another hot button topic for us today i do the the question right off the top of my head is it is it pronounced kodamari i was assuming it was kodamari the whole damn time it can be whatever you want but it is kodamari oh look at that okay all right now (laughs) for the real question (laughs) so this is a question I think about often and I debate with myself often and I'm curious to hear your opinions on it and I'll phrase it in two different ways. Cause I think there's a lot to parse out here, but at its core, the question is where do we draw the line between craft and art, right? Or to phrase it a different way, can we differentiate between craft and art? So I used to be of the opinion that art was about the intention, right? That, that the artist's aim in getting you to engage with an object, to, to feel a thing, to experience a thing, was a vital component in what makes a piece of art art, right? It's, it's, it's what makes a thing transcendent, right? That universal experience of... Just it could it could be something as simple as this is the most beautiful damn thing I've ever seen in my life. And we all connect to it in a way that makes us experience that object differently from just a really well-crafted object. So the craft, on the other hand, is almost the engineering, right? The making of the thing. So you have the the art is the why and the craft is the how, if you will. Hmm. But I think what that does is it puts art on an elevated level. It puts it above craft in a big way. And I don't think that that is it's, I don't think it's a fair pedestal to put craft on because over time I've come to the conclusion that they may be inextricably linked. Right? So in order for a piece of art, to be art with a capital A, it has to have a high level of craftsmanship, right? And the act of creating, right? The act of craftsmanship may be art in and of itself. The act of creating may be the definition of art. So I'm wondering if we can parse the two apart and say this is art and this is craft or is it impossible to separate the two and do they just live on a spectrum somewhere maybe because you can't have one without the other perhaps this is this is what i contend with often can you make a piece of art like a true beautiful transcendent piece of art that is not the result of years of training in the craft, whatever that craft may be, painting, uh, uh, sculpture, woodworking, music, right? The performance of art is also another element of craft, right? The, the act of creation. So I'll ask again, because we love labels. Where do we draw the line between art and craft? So can can I start with the def can I start with the definition of each? Like let's are, look are up the definition. Go, are we gonna go we're gonna go Miriam Webster's on this bitch already? I I, I yeah. Let, 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 let's do the Oxford dictionary and let's just start with what how they define art and craft, okay? And and Eric, I think we'll you raised wonderful points and we'll get to a lot of those. 
So uh, let's start with craft. An activity involving skill in making things by hand. An activity involving skill in making things by hand. I wonder okay. if that definition isn't shifting with the invention of CNCs in CAD and all of the other non-human components of it. Let, let's put a pin in that. Let's stick a pin <laughs> in that because that, that, that's a good. That's another good point. And let's go to the definition of art. You don't have to we, look it up because it's just going to be a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's if it's I like, Google designer. If I had said that, the amount of hate that I would have gotten... Wow. Oh, Touche. I, th- I thought you were the picture under designer, Mary, not artist. If you if you look up uh, the antonym to humility, though, also another photo. Uh, like an antonym. I don't think I've used the word antonym in the last 20 years. I don't think I have either. As soon as I said it, I was like, is that the word I'm looking for? Definition of art. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in visual form, such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. So the first definition of craft had the words involving skill in making things by hand, right? Making and the art had expression, human creative skill, imagination, visual works appreciated for their beauty and emotional power. So I can see the, the, the distinction. One is about the how, Eric, as you and, said earlier, and the other is about what, like, it's, it's, it, art is like a, it seems to be a bigger term involving emotion and expression is how I read these I, definitions. And frankly, I, I disagreed with that definition until the very end when they brought it back around with the uh, emotional experience, right? The thing mm-hmm. I would push back with in, in, tell me if you're reading this differently is that definition felt to me as though they were, they were placing the definition of art <laughs> from the perspective of the viewer, right? The person interacting with the artwork, not from the perspective of the artist. And I think the intention of the artist in the act of creation is hugely important to how we define art. And I think that that bears witness in contemporary art, right? We're, we're going to have this argument at some point during this conversation about like, is a cube in the middle of a room letting a, a, a cube of chocolate, for example, I can't remember the artist's name off the top of my head, but a cube of chocolate just melting in the middle of a museum room. Is that art? A banana how stuck much, to a wall of duct much, tape. Right. Right. And so, but that does speak to the intention of the artist. The artist in the banana, in the the infamous banana duct tape scandal, the intention of the artist was to show how absurd the the process of that art show was, right? In in of art collection in general. So you stick a banana on the wall and you charge whatever you charge fifty thousand dollars for it or something, and somebody buys it, and yet simultaneously it's performance art. It's an object and it's the performance, the act of doing the thing simultaneously. So it's this weird. Art right, loving so, for art's sake. So let, let me put let me put a finger on this then, Eric, and get you to commit to your definitions because you've been waffling a little bit. Mm, this is, do this you, is why it's hard. Do you agree with the definitions from Oxford that one's primarily about making and handcraft and skill and the other's about more of an expression? I mean, is, do you fall down those lines, roughly speaking? Very roughly. I would I would hesitate to agree, but I think on principle I would have to agree. I would use the word intention more than expression. Okay, so um, there's an intention in art and not necessarily there doesn't have to be an, an intention in craft. I think there is an intention in the experience of the end user or viewer in art, right? What am I trying to get you to experience? Whereas, and that doesn't exist in craft. Well, but this is this is why it's messy, because okay. I think the goal of a craftsman, ge- again, these are broad strokes, but I think the goal of a craftsman, generally speaking, is to create a beautiful object. Or craftswoman, as the case may be. Mary, what do you think? Or craftsperson. Yeah. Or craftsperson. Yeah, let's not let's not be let's be more gender inclusive. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like intention and I guess what like concept, I guess like art is more driven by conceptual ideas and maybe deeper meaning, maybe not, but more often so. I feel like they're, yeah, I mean, the art is supposed to be like evoking emotions and conveying, maybe conveying a message or exploring some sort of, I don't know, maybe some sort of theme or something, but crafts generally places but more emphasis on i think skillful execution and um maybe even on the aesthetics of the object as opposed to the yeah like maybe more of the visual aesthetics versus just versus like the meaning behind it but i don't know well i my I, know. I wanted to ask was like do you if you had to call yourself one or the other which would you say all right. I think it was an evolution. I started as a craftsperson, I think, and I evolved and I don't, I, I you know, I use the words evolved that automatically is sort of derogatory. Mm-hmm. It's like See, I rose yeah, exactly. above the craftsman, yep. you know, I, and I don't mean it that way, but I did evolve into a, I guess I see myself more as an artist now. Uh, I don't think I'm doing very well at it. I think uh, I'm in my, like at, I'm a beginner artist. Like I have just started to be able to try and evoke meaning and thought and emotion from people through my pieces, but I don't think I do it very well. I think I'm quite a, like, I'm in like preschool, you know, whereas I see some artists I and man, I would argue that you're definitely above a lot of, uh, I just feel, I just feel like, no, really. I mean, you could, you could take all the shots you want because it's fine. I, I just like, I see art sometimes and it like, hits me like a ton of bricks. I mm. don't know that I've been able to hit anyone with even one brick yet. So it's something I think about a lot, but it's very hard to do, which is how do you elicit emotion or how do you control the experience of the viewer or the the owner with the piece? How about you? What do you think so, you are? Well, I'm going to disagree with you right off the jump that you haven't been able to evoke that emotional experience with you. But this is an interesting differentiation again, because I've seen your clients have deeply emotional reactions. That's true. To the pieces that you've made. Now, the question is, the question is, is that a result of your high level of craft because they were already imbuing this object with some emotional Mm. substantial meaning right because Mm. of the financial because of exactly whatever the thing is right so that may be a workaround a little bit can you get that reaction out of a stranger right who's never interacted with that object before walks into a room sees it and has that reaction that's yeah great great point but uh as far as how i define myself it's a tricky one right because I I got into woodworking because I thought of it as a craft. Because I what thought that's the thing. Woodworking sure. is, a hard, is a difficult example because out of a lot of art forms, woodworking is literally crafting like physical material and being a craftsperson first. It, well, it is. It is. But haven't like let's take Nakashima as an example, right? You have a person who is a craftsman through and through, but you can, I've seen people walk up to an object that he's made that is just a simple form, well executed and have these deeply emotional reactions because the beauty of the form itself or of the, the material itself is overwhelming. And so it, it treads this line. And I got into woodworking because I grew up in the trades. I grew up building decks and houses and there was a bit of that machismo like i need to you know be a man and build things with my hands and i don't have emotions and i can't express things and over time i realized oh shit i actually am trying to do exactly that and and woodworking was a vehicle that allowed me to do that while tread that line somehow right but what's happened now is as i've attempted to break into the art world with air quotes uh, to some extent, I've realized that so much of that world, like any, you know, uh, uh, society, any, any group of people, it's about who, you know, more than what, you know, right. 
And so in trying to break into that world, I found myself rejected over and over and seeing works from other people. This just happened and I won't name names and I won't name places. I applied to get into an art show and didn't get in with two pieces that I think that I know were very strong pieces. And the person who not only got in, but won first place, I looked at that work and I was like, that's horseshit. Like it is not well-crafted. It is not interesting. It is not good. What you did was you told a good story, which is absolutely a part of it. And for whatever reason, you know, the God shined upon you and, and you were able to be featured in this show. And I realize now that my place is very much as a craftsman in the woodwork. And so like the, the 14 year old boy inside of me is pushing back against the art world and be like, fuck you guys. I'm a woodworker. I'm not an artist. So it was for an art show. It was an art show. Yeah. So Eric, there's, there's a, a study that was released by a, a, an information scientist uh, I'll have to look up the name. I, I can't remember mm. his name off the top of my head, but he did a study of, I think it was 50,000 to a hundred thousand artists and their careers. And he tried to ask the question, uh, what determines whether an artist will be big in the art world? I mean, being able to be shown in uh, high end galleries and will make good money or not. Is it the art itself or is it who, you know, and what his lab and it, he's he's got a lab at a at a prestigious university. I'll find the info. I, I can't, but I remember the conclusion. The, the The conclusion was where you trained put you in touch with a group of galleries and a group of people, and that was basically the main determinant of whether you showed in high scale successful galleries or not it was where you trained mm-hmm. and who you knew and the at, if you trained at the prestigious place like moma or you know you, you, your your university was in bed with moma or whatever your probability of staying in those circles was like 50 to 80 percent if you came from nowhere and you're what is your and you you're not in those high-end circles what's your probability of breaking into those circles which is sort of the case you're talking about it's like i'm a you know i'm a self-taught crafts person i didn't go to any prestigious you know art school that it, it put me in touch with all these people uh the probability out of all the people in that group only a few percent like single digit percent were able to move into that group somehow and it was probably through a relationship i doubt it was their work so yeah the, the bottom line of all that research was it's who you know and where you study. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. your art at all, which is kind of, well, and- that's kind of like, like that beats you up a little bit inside because I think the boy in you says, if I make good enough stuff, people are going to love oh, yeah. it. You, it's the American optimism in me for sure. For sure. But I think that also continues to then blur the line between art and craft because you have artists who are not exceptional craftsmen in their field of study no who are they just knew the right successful people. they just knew the right people and yep. then you have craftsmen who are you know even throwing air co- quotes around that or like we've already done multiple times in this conversation we've put the craft below the art then you have these people who make truly magnificent objects that you can argue are works of art in and of themselves who just don't get don't get shown don't get labeled as yeah. artists because well they're they're just making tables well let, let let's be clear with each other who you know seems to be the bottom line in almost everything sure that's how the world works right that's why i went I mean, to school the advice i got it, at the beginning of my woodworking career i i talked to the guy who runs the philadelphia woodworking show at the time uh it was 2008 or 2009 and i was trying to figure out after college, how could I be a woodworker? And he said, go to school, not because you can't learn the craft, but because of the people you'll meet. And that will be the thing that drives your career. And he was 100% right. The same is with my career. I went to certain schools and that gave me the job I have today because I was in the right place. I mean, you have to, like doing well at art or doing well at your job is like, that's the price of admission. But beyond that, you need that network of humans that's going to help you get, you know, to where you really want to be. Mary, you've been awfully quiet. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, about which part? Anything, any part, please. Okay. I well, mean, how do you define yourself? 
I, I mean, you both know I define myself as a designer, but that's not the question here. Um, I think that it depends on what I, what my project is. So last time we talked, I don't remember this, I don't know. I've had this conversation with many people, but like when I'm trying to come up with a, a project, you know, when you get to that point in your design where you're like, it's almost there, but it's probably good enough. That for me is when I stop and I'm and I'm fine with like, this is like a crafts person and it's like good enough for like my standard. So I'm just going to make sure I execute this well. But if I really want to do something that's a piece of art, I'm willing to spend that time to push it to when I'm like really happy that it conveys my message or my inspiration or et cetera. I'm like willing to put in that time, even if it is takes like a week or two more to really figure it out. Then I think I, it, in my mind, it, it becomes more of the art side. Um, in general, like I am not really that high of like a technical woodworker. I have like, like fair skills and I can, I don't know, get, I can build whatever I want to build usually. Um, but I don't spend the time to really like hone my technical skills. I want to make sure that I produce the product. Um, I want to make sure it's like done really well, obviously, but for me, it's more about that final execution and that final piece rather than making sure that everything is technically like perfect and proficient. So we talked about craft versus art. Where does designer fit in? I don't know, to be honest. Is that like I, a third category? I think I, it might be. I think sure. it might be a contemporary category. Right. So, I mean, I think we talked, did we talk about this in the last one? But like design mm -hmm. um, usually has some sort of problem that is being solved. And it's usually something, yeah, I guess it's maybe for the purpose of uh, solving an issue. And that is not the case in art. Maybe it is in craft, which is why in my job, a lot of people say you have to have really high craftsmanship in for example, like product design or UX design or digital design, um, because that is one of the criteria of judging whether or not it's good UX. I don't know. Craft is such like a, it's such a subjective, vague, general term <laughs> that I feel like you can apply it to any field though. What, what does UX stand for, for the Luddites among us? Luddites. <laughs> User experience. That's that's my job. User I make experience. sure that okay. users have good experiences. It's see, it's interesting to me because I've never, never in my life have I associated the word craftsmanship with digital design. Right. And that that doesn't that doesn't mean I'm trying to to say that it's not it doesn't take a high level of craftsmanship. It's just interesting to hear you guys have that conversation using that language. So the goal of a good UX designer is to make sure that the user doesn't notice anything. So bad UX is when you're super frustrated with something and you're like, why can't I just like figure this form out? Or like, why can't I figure out the software, et cetera? It's bad UX. Good UX is something that is so intuitive and so like well-designed that you can, the, the de designer anticipates the user's needs and they don't even need to think about whether or not like, oh, this is like a great sort of program I'm using. See, this so is this is this is interesting. So this from from that question of where does designer fall on this spectrum, like I could make the argument that that in itself is kind of like that's one branch of art, right? Like this idea of trying to intuitively get somebody to do a thing or experience a thing without them even noticing, that that is part of that user experience that the definition back to Oxford or whatever we pulled, like that's what they're talking about is that thing of you are having this experience and you don't even know that that's what the artist intended you to do. Mm. That's a very interesting way to put it, Eric. So I am an artist. Basically. Yeah. Well, let's it, not get cocky you've, here. You know, you've <laughs> kind of convinced me that like designer like is under the umbrella of artist because it has intentions and it has a goal and it's an, about it driving someone's experience. That's very, it's a very thoughtful point. I like that. But, but it also kind of, 
it is the engineer, right? Like art, like designers are kind of the engineers as well. They are the problem solvers before you act. So I think the act of creation as an artist is sloppy and messy. And oftentimes you don't know where you're going until you're going there. And I think design is very much the opposite of that, right? It is the, I'm going to do all of the planning and math and mapping before I ever pick up any material whatsoever. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong, Paul, but I, I do think there, there is a fundamental tension there. Interesting. All right. I want to tell you guys a story that Trent Presler told me once. I think you'll like this. So, you know, you know, Trent, yeah, we all love Trent. He's wonderful. And he's, he's definitely going to be on this podcast at some point. I haven't asked him yet, but um, as you know, Trent, he both uh, is the C- he he was or it, I think he still is the, the CEO of Bedell Sellers, which is a vineyard mm. on uh, Long Island. And as a result of running a vineyard, they get pretty high profile guests to their vineyard for events. And he told me a story where the director of MoMA was there. And as you also may know, Trent uh, makes very expensive canoes canoes that upset a lot of people mm-hmm. at the price point of a hundred thousand dollars for a canoe and you know what what the question was always like people get so the crafts people get so upset like what about this canoe he, he hasn't made more than you know a few canoes in his life how dare he has that kind of price and and trent like put so much he made canoes that never the world had never seen before with exotic woods and hand engraved like port, you know, caps and the most, you know, hand forged wrought, uh, you know, uh, bronze, you know, cut waters. And I, I mean, the nicest hand on leather. I mean, really like everything you could do about this canoe was of the finest quality and the world had never seen so many beautiful pieces of, craft or or whatever you want to call it put in one canoe i mean it really was transcending the word canoe i mean it's still functionally canoe but it it had it was more like a piece of art right so as as i recall the story and trent forgive me if i'm telling it wrong but you were you were talking with the director of moma at the time about it well is is your canoe art or is it craft his canoe uh, they're, they're used, yeah. The owners use them occasionally. Otherwise, they're up on a fifty-foot ceiling in their mansion. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it, is that canoe art? And the the director of Momo was like, "No, no, 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 no. Your canoe is definitely not art. It is craft." And he goes, "Your canoe would be art. Like this would be art. Is if you sailed that canoe into uh, the middle of the lake and poured gasoline all over it and blew it up in a." ball of fire and it sank that is art so must be nice to love the smell of your own farts like that's art destroying the canoe like that would be a work of art it it basically is basically saying like the the act of destroying performance art Yeah. yeah i guess it's performance art um so i mean i i again forgive me if i have any details wrong but that was his definition of art would be say like destroying it, for example, not that you have to destroy it that you could do other things with it, I suppose. But um, hmm, what did, what did you guys think of that? <sighs> I mean, it seems, oh, this is why like the subjects are always so subjective. It's always just personal preference, but like, I don't know. It seems like that guy's definition of art has to do with performance and having to tell a narrative and a story and like a transformation, maybe like it's mm. like a big part of the art world right now. But he also, I don't know anything about him. Is this Glenn? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure who it was at the time. That's why okay. I, I don't give a name. Uh, Cause like, is he a woodworker? Cause in the no. woodworking so- world, I'm a hundred percent sure like all woodworkers would say, yes, that is art. Put someone outside of the field might be, you know, like, oh, I don't know. That's, that's the point I was going to raise. It, it, it sounds to me, it reeks to me of elitism, right? Mm. That the separation of 
material is really important in the art world. You made a thing out of wood, and unless you destroy it, it can't be art. Right? So it's it's frustrating to me because I don't think he's wrong. I don't think like you could absolutely make the case that making a point like Trent knowing his backstory, knowing his relationship with his father, why he started building canoes to, to then take that out into the water and destroy that as an act of catharsis and try to articulate that to viewers, to people. I think that that absolutely is art, but to say that the boat itself is not art because it's not doing that just because it's a beautiful object is somehow lacking. I think that reeks to me of elitism and it's wildly frustrating. And maybe they're pushing, uh, maybe they're so used to just seeing beautiful objects. They're like, that's not enough anymore to move the needle. Now you have to do something radical to really make us gasp, you know, but but, maybe so, but now you're getting into the conversation of, are you making art or are you doing the thing to be accepted into the art community? mm -hmm. Right. And those are two different things. Yeah. He's also the director of contemporary art. So his that's right. is most likely biased towards what is contemporary art, and which is, I don't know, maybe it's more performative uh, rather than traditional, I don't know, old school. Oh, yeah, there's it a is, contemporary artist who got shot in, on in camera just to, do, to, to shoot himself, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I forget so his name. I, one, one, one piece that always sticks out to me that really, it both frustrates me and fascinates me simultaneously do you guys know the artist damien hurst yes yeah do you the shark do you in know the, the tank you, so and so here's the question right here's the thing about the shark in the tank for those of you who mm -hmm. who are unfamiliar this is a uh shark that has been it's it's dead it's been um what's the word i'm looking for like uh, preserved uh, preserved yes and it's suspended in this tank uh and that in and of itself is nothing special. I think the interesting thing about this piece, I think the artwork is naming the piece. The name of the piece is the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. And the object itself means nothing until you sit with the statement made about the object in naming it the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. Hmm. And then once you sit there and you contend with the reality of what that brings to you as a living person and the object in front of you simultaneously, that experience, that exchange becomes something transformative. Hmm. And so I, like, again, I can see what this director is, is trying to say about like, you are trying to do something that's never been done before, hmm. but just because you did something new doesn't mean that what you already did wasn't art. Also, yeah, you know, if that's, I'm sure it's been done many times being like something being destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I, there's, again, I can't think of, of this person's name, but there is a, a craftsman who made this big, beautiful China cabin. I think it was in the eighties. I think I know uh, what you're going to say. Uh-huh. It was it Keep was going. technically perfect. It was beautiful. And yep. then he took a giant iron spike and he drove it right through one of the doors. Yep. Yep. And just cranked it and destroyed and left the cabinet. It. And left oh, it. I, and just left it well, there. Oh, the, the the artist I saw drove a huge nail into the middle of the cabinet and left it there. Yeah. And so that's yeah. part of the piece now. Yeah. That's part of the thing. And so mm. you have this object that went from craft yeah. to art because of the statement that he made by quasi destroying it. You know, so this is like, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure you could Google it with some success, but it just, the line gets blurred and the, it's a, it's a real sneeches moment. You know what I mean? Gary, the haves and the have Gary, Gary Knox Bennett. That's who Gary it was. Gary Knox Bennett. Yeah. Big giant cabinet. It's, it's an interest, and I don't know his intention, in what statement he was trying to make, whether he was trying to, whether he was an artist trying to make a statement about woodworking or the other way around. But it's, it's, it's interesting to contend with contemporary art saying that what you do is not art because it's not good enough for us. Hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know that I can accept that answer. 
Someone's salty, Mary. Do you, you, you taste that on the? Someone's a little salty towards yeah, contemporary. Yeah, a little briny. A little briny today, Mary. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now I'll ask the two of you, and I'll answer myself. Is there a particular piece you've made that has pushed the most towards art and like moving the emotional needle or like absolutely getting, like pushing that the limit pushing the envelope? What is it? Uh, I think there are there are different iterations of that process over my career. So um, very briefly, there are three pieces that come to mind. But the the first time I think I accidentally made what I would consider to be art is uh, a table that uh, I don't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast yet. Um, a table I call it the Atlas table, um, mm. based on the the sculpture of Atlas in New York. Uh, it was a difficult time in my life, and I identified with this statue holding the weight of the world, uh, and I was tasked with making a table. And then this thing came out. I just, it just had, I didn't think about trying to make art. It was just the thing that was happening in me at the time. And somebody pointed it out to me that like, well, what you just did was made art. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a, I'm a craftsman. I made a table. Uh, and hmm. he said, you're no, like you, though. you're clearly like a artist, a Prius driving artist. This is a, <laughs> Prius. No, the Prius arranges yeah, any artistry. <laughs> immediate disqualification but, but but it was this this moment of of recognizing what i was attempting to do without realizing it was express my experience as a human in the world through this object right mm-hmm. and like what what else is art except you trying to articulate your human mm-hmm. experience to other folks mm-hmm. yeah okay one's uh similar i i actually I, I talked about this i think last time but yeah i think the piece for me was my franklin wright inspired one because i saw his interpretation of the tree of life and his stained glass windows and i was like i want my interpretation of your interpretation of someone else's interpretation so for me it was my tree of life tables because those were and yeah yeah those were coincidentally the first pieces that i was really happy with because i think it conveyed to the message that i was trying to get across with like, this is a somewhat original design, but not, I mean, it's clearly inspired by something and I see it more in the art world rather than functional, although it is a functional craft piece. So for me, uh, and I've upset a few people with it, are the coffin jewelry boxes I made. Uh. Uh, images of death seem to really get people stirred up and I got some nasty messages. So I made these cough, these big jewelry boxes in the shape of a Victorian coffin. And you take the lid off the coffin and it looks like vertebra. It's like all these compartments for rings and earrings. And it looks like your rib cage or your vertebra. And then you lift that up and inside there's a more compartments for storage of larger jewelry. And these, these, um, these coffins really upset people. I got, you know, why would you make, why would you spend all that time making such a beautiful box and put it in the shape of something that represents death? These you know, people I guess never emo in their former, like, no, no, no. I can relate to this. <laughs> so, but uh, despite uh, the emo crowd not showing up on my page, um, a lot of people loved them. And they sold very fast. And furthermore, mm-hmm. the new the newest cabinet I'm working on has a gigantic skull on the front of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's upsetting people. And a lot of people were like, you ruined the cabinet. But maybe that, I think those are probably art. I mean, they're getting people to think about their own mortality. They're confronting morbid image, well, so-called morbid images of death. I don't know if they're really morbid or, or not. Um, I think about death all the time. I don't, I mean, I'm not particularly a morbid person. I'm a pretty positive guy, but I just find these um, interesting. I think coffins are interesting vessels. I think images of skulls are very cool. Um, And they seem to stir people. So maybe it is art. I think that could be an interesting place 
to differentiate and this this may be very individual in the experience of the end user but art may require the the viewer to engage with something beyond the object through their interaction with the object right it may it may require that they look at your coffin box and start considering death and it may it may be that they look at a simple table that was made by an unnamed craftsman a hundred years ago, and they're mm. so moved by its beauty that they contend with the nature of beauty and goodness and and contributing something beautiful to the world and society in their own time that they have on earth, right? So mm. it may not be just in the intention of the maker. But I do think it requires some, and this is why I used the word transcendence before, like it may require some transcendence on the end user's part. Yeah, but also people in general are like really into skulls and like weird. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia where like, it's actually a pretty controversial museum. And like people will go and just look at these like fetuses and, uh, like skulls and everything and some people really like decorating their house like that i don't know i i think it's the it's more so people really like boats that are on fire as works of contemporary art so you know it's yeah i don't know i mean just like the like weird shit and they don't know why and that's fine all right so so i i have another question about craft versus art let's poke the bear even more you ready two words price point I'm going to say I, I'll, I'll, I'll be the unpopular opinion or maybe not unpopular. They have different price points. I'm sorry, but they do. Craft, they do. And craft, and, and because I'm, it's so standardized and it's part of a tradition, it has so many examples to compare an object to. Like uh, Windsor chairs, okay? They have th- hundred, tens of thousands of examples and price points to compare. Uh Cutting boards. Was the, was the original Windsor chair craft or art? Art is craft. Art. It started as craft. No, the original. The original has to the be. The original art. was craft. No, the original was art. It was It was made specifically for function. I disagree. Oh, that, that may be, but that form had never been seen before, and it was like probably groundbreaking. Is that the definition? Something that's never been seen before? Well, usually the first of something tends to be so like jarring. The first time See, we've ever I, seen a form, it's like so jarring that you're like, holy I shit. Think, I think what you're saying there is true, but I think the Windsor chair, that form, didn't Well, it probably didn't yeah. out of nowhere. It evolved That's true. That's from the true. thing before yeah, it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's also maybe why people like your skull boxes. It's very jarring to them and they haven't seen anything like it before. Yeah. I mean, mm. that may be true. Okay, so back to price point. So I, I definitely think craft has an established price point. And you can't you can go within like a multiple of like two times or three times the average craft price point for that item. But people are going to comparison shop and be like, why are you asking twice what I can get a very similar item for? Art has no price point. There are often so, no comparisons so to it to be drawn. This brings us to the question of production versus handmade. Right. So if you, Paul, make a box by hand, that's one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And you've done this many times. Mm -hmm. You can charge far more for that object because it's the only object like that that will ever exist. Even if you reproduce it by hand, it will be different Mm -hmm. versus an object that you batch produce. Or if you're an artist, the first time you paint a painting, it's going to be worth more than the prints that subsequently come after it. That's the nature of production, right? You're mm-hmm. you're devaluing an object because there is more of it. So scarcity. I mean, that's just that's economics one hundred and one, right? Scarcity mm-hmm. is is yeah. part of what drives. But what up about the price. what about craft versus art and price point? Well, so if you're producing a table, if you're a even if you're not a, like a production quote unquote woodworker, if you are producing forms that have existed before, if you're making handmade barn tables Mm -hmm. it's still a barn table Mm -hmm. versus if you attempt to make a form that has never been made before yeah or to your knowledge in your lifetime has never been made before Mm -hmm. that's an entirely different thing so naturally you can charge more for it because 
it's one of a kind. So was the farmhouse table craft and the never seen before table art? I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Oh, it's, oh, it's Jesus, hard Eric, to differentiate. Already. It is hard to differentiate. I would say, I would say if I'm going to lay my bets and I'm not going to hold hard to this definition, but if I am going to lay it down, I would say that the moment something is produced more than once, it ceases to be art. I know that's a shitty definition. No, is it not? no way. Okay. No. Ar- so argue that. Argue against it. You made two of it, and it's not art anymore. Come on. Well, now it's a production uh, piece. Uh, yeah, but it it could still be art. I don't. I don't think that's it. I think I think the craft is often part of a tradition where there's many tens of thousands of examples that are all very, very similar. And art is something that just takes a, a fucking massive U-turn to, to go off to its own meaning, its own space. It lives in its own realm to some extent. I know it has. Does know Andy has Warhol really, live in his own realm? No, no, no. But I mean, in some ways, yes, but no, no, not exclusively. But art seems to just have some sort of deviation and one doesn't have a price point. And one does typically. I'm sorry. That's the experience I can, you know. My art doesn't have a price point though. You can ask anything you want because only one of them exists on the world and it came out of you and your creative expression. And if you want that, you'll pay whatever price I. Specific (laughs) artists can ask whatever price they want. Oh, sure. Andy Warhol asked for his prices because he was Andy fucking Warhol. Uh, uh, There's been a hundred before and a hundred since. Eric, you've asked some pretty good prices on some of your pieces because they only exist through you. Now, I sure, yeah, they're, sure. they're not in the we're not in the Andy Warhol or whatever the yeah, Jeff I'm not Koons, making fifty thousand uh, dollars a piece. Sure, no, no, but um, you've been able to demand more for some of your pieces because they're so uniquely you, and you've tr- they you've are transitioned. that they are they're that. Not- and listen, I'm I'm also not I'm not naive to the fact that because there are more eyeballs on me. I've been able to ask more and yep. produce more individualistic objects rather than go down the route of making uh, uh, batch products in objects that are more available to folks. I'm not naive to that, but I, I don't know. I don't know where you draw the line on that. I said it was a real shitty definition. I don't know where you draw the line because an artist can make a limited run, you know? You can make five of an object, 10 of an object, and those are the only 10 that exist. Well, Do you think people me- buy your pieces for your name or because they want the aesthetic? Because that's also a thing. People definitely buy artists' work, even though they don't really feel an emotional connection to it, but like they want the name. So they feel an emotional yeah. connection to the person yeah. somehow. I was going to say that. Folks, people don't buy art. They buy the artist. It's hmm. true. You've told me many times. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, it's you look so good. Look, I'd if buy I, if you. I'm honest, <laughs> if if I'm honest, like I think I'm good at my craft. I don't think I'm exceptional at my craft. I think what I am really good at is telling a story, and I think folks want to invest in a person attempting their best, and I do my best with every client I have. Uh, doing their best to engage with a space, with an object, with a story and trying to create something new for that space, for that family, for that moment in their life. I think that's why people pay me, not because I can cut dovetails. No, that's true. All right. Shall we move to what we like to call our lightning round? So uh, this is the first time we're doing the lightning round. What's that? Our long running segment, our lightning round. <laughs> so this is our, uh, this is going to be a lightning round I'm very and we've nervous. never done this before. And Mary is absolutely terrified because I didn't tell her what I'm going to ask her. And I'm going to ask her to react to the question and answer it in short order. No long drawn out, boring ass answers. I want quick gut instinct. You're going to have like five seconds to answer. All right. And it's a series of questions that bears on today's topic. I can Are blame you ready? the hesitation on the poor internet. Are you ready for the no, lightning round, Mary? Yeah. No, you're not. Okay, ready? Are we, are we responding at the same in. time? Uh, I'm going to ask you first, and then Eric, on the first question. You ready? 
Here we go. Number one, you make a mission piece of furniture, but base it on your own design. So it's not like any other piece that's been built before in that particular uh, vein of mission style furniture. Is it art or craft? Mary. What is mission style? <laughs> well, let, let's stickly or, you know, uh, or let's say a, a green and green or whatever, whatever style you want to pick. You, you make, you make a piece in that style, but it's, it's not based on any one piece that exists. It's new. Is it art or craft? Eric. I would say art might be boring art, but it's art. Interesting. So I, uh, I, I guess I would say, uh, I'm sort of like 50, 50. I know that's kind of a cop out, but it definitely is in line with the tradition, but it's a new piece. So I don't know. I'd give it both. Um, second, Eric, you first. Oh, this one's going to upset people. Is art above craft? Because it is inherently more no. difficult to move the emotional needle. No, I, I think it's impossible to separate the two. I think you can't be an artist without having exceptional craftsmanship. And the director of MoMA can, you know, get fucked. <laughs> it was the current director. No, I don't know which director it was. Who the no, current no, director no. is, so. <laughs> Mary, is art above craft? Okay. Uh, Follow-up question, Eric. Is art more difficult than craft? I think it takes more time. I don't know that it's more difficult. Mary? I tend to think it is more difficult because it demands so much more of me than just execution. It's execution plus like much more. Okay. Next question. Mary, you first. Are artists cockier than craftspeople? Uh, yes, I am biased because I come from a world full of design and artists and I see a lot of ego. So maybe I'm biased because I'm not as much in the craftsperson world, but. Okay. Eric, are artists cockier? I would say the stereotype of the artist is cockier, but, uh, if we're expanding the definition of craft to anybody who is really good at, at what they are building. I grew up in the trades. I can't say that artists are cockier than craftspeople, man. We're all we're all human, and we all suck the same amount. <laughs> you define yourself as Eric. That's the cockiest. Oh, slam! Uh, okay, all right. I, listen, I love me. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, I think frequently artists are cockier than craftspeople because they think they're all fancy. Um, uh, typically. But let's hope they're, uh, they they check their ego at the door. Finally, Mary, are we all craftspeople on our journey towards making art? This is such like a existential question. Uh, yeah, yes, I think undoubtedly yes. So you have to. It's like part and parcel. Um, Eric, yes. Uh, Mary, sorry, sorry I interrupted you, Mary. Please. I was going to say I don't know if it's necessary but i think it should be part of it in my view oh eric you raised the question can you just be an artist and and just skip over the crafts part the craftsperson part yeah i mean let, let's if we're taking the economics into the situation yes you can if you are attempting to make Things that people connect with on an emotional level and make art with a capital A and contribute beautiful with a capital B things to society. I don't think you can. I think you, you, don't? Can, you can be a con man in, in any field you want. I don't think that you can make art that moves people without an understanding of craft. Now, craft can also be expanded to like word craft. I'll take Damien Hurst's the impossibility of death in the mind of someone living as art because the craftsmanship of that statement in in conjunction with the object itself i think is art this episode mm. is going to piss off a lot of people by the way like, yeah just because my definition continually shifts throughout this episode yeah i'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the people who consider them artists because they have painted a few times or they're i don't know yeah epoxy well so that goes back that goes back to the mission question the stickly question right like if you have somebody painting a landscape landscapes the same landscape could have been painted a thousand times but that person paints the landscape and nobody's going to say it's not art because it's paint on canvas 
I think you can make art without having a mastery of craft. I think there's probably examples. I can't think of any off, my, off the cuff, but I bet people have thought of a way to make something that moved someone very substantially and did not have a mastery of the of the topic that they did it in. I'm sure that has happened. M- mastery may be a strong word, but well, but a, a strong functioning understanding, right? Strong sense. And it could be an know. intuitive sense. Maybe. Don't try to qualify Maybe. it after the fact. Get out of here. All right. <laughs> on that note, now that Eric's been a bad boy, it's time to punish him with his favorite segment and your oh, favorite Jesus. segment. Wait, do you want to mention Patreon? Oh, yeah. Let's mention Patreon. So um, in the liner notes, we're going to have a link to our Patreon page. Uh, and uh, our Patreon page uh, will have three tiers for you to help support our show. And the three tiers are going to be uh, baby bullshitters, typical bullshitters, and top tier bullshitters. Now, let me tell you what you get uh, for each tier. So the baby bullshitter is $2 a month. And that's because you want to support our podcast and because you want to see the video feed on YouTube. So that's what we Just offer is the video feed. A little boo-boo in the diaper. A little boo-boo in the diaper. So that's baby bullshitter, $2 a month. Typical bullshitters are $5 a month. And of course, because you want to support us, but also you get the juicy after show where we dive into Eric's DM even further and offer these these uh, wonderful ladies and gentlemen some advice on how to get <laughs> Eric. That's uh, worth it right attention. there, guys. That's a high fiber diet. And finally, top tier bullshitters get the YouTube feed. They get the after show, but they also get uh, to propose uh, questions that we may answer uh in during you know submit questions that we may answer in the after show uh, or if you have questions about us or you want to contribute to the conversation uh and we'll get to those uh questions as we can so those are the three tiers baby typical and top tier bullshitters uh link to I our patreon page will be top tier <laughs> link to our patreon <laughs> page will be in the in the liner notes uh and uh we would appreciate it if you'd support this just to defray sort of our costs of production and hosting and all that okay so that's patreon now to what we really want to get to i like how we ask people for money after what is like the sloppiest and most confusing conversation we've had yet (laughs) i I don't know that there's i don't know that there's clear-cut answers to this but at least we asked the question we did we did all right let's slide all right here we go by the way Wait, yes. say that, Mary. What, what's we'd that? Like to hear people's. We'd love to hear people's thoughts on the question. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I would really enjoy it if you'd push back on some of our thinking because maybe you open our minds to new ways of thinking, or maybe you'll just give us a response and it'll be total horseshit and we'll ignore it. But hey, you don't know until you try. <laughs> on that note, here we go. The slide. <laughs> The slide. We're going to slow things down, draw a bath, pour some wine, light some candles, because we're sliding into Eric's DMs. Oh, yeah. What do we have on tap for this week, Eric? Now, you probably know because you gave me the DM, but Mary doesn't. I don't. I don't remember what I sent you. Oh, good. Well, we have one. Just another absolute fucking gem. Are you guys ready? Hit me. Brace yourself. Hey, Eric. Please give me a chance. I know all the different types of plywood. <laughs> I, love I forgot about that one. My God. <laughs> it's, I, so I gotta be honest. Thirsty. That was such a good DM. That was so funny. <laughs> Can we play it again? I'm gonna play it again. Hit me. Hey, Hit me. Eric. Please give me a chance. I know all the different types of plywood. That's amazing, Eric. How many different types of plywood are there? (laughs) We could ask her. I don't know. In your pants. Like, how many types? (laughs) It's at least a seven ply down there. (laughs) All right, let's... Let's discuss this in the after show. Oh, God. Okay, well, that's... We'll be discussing... What an opener. We'll be discussing how many types of plywood are in Eric's pants in the after show. Let's start with that thought. Uh, Again, thank you both for your wonderful 
Uh, Eric, especially your non-committal, muddy-ass answers about the line You're between welcome. craft and art. Uh, and, uh, I, <laughs> and, and I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. I hope it made you think and uh, at least think about, is there a distinction? Does it matter? Does it, does it even matter what the distinction is, if there is one? Uh, I think it's just nice to think about these topics. Uh, and are, do you consider yourself an artist or a craftsperson and does it matter? All right. With that, we're going to sign off. We'll see you next time. Thanks friends. Thank you.